Thank you for taking the time to meditate with me on the beauty and the depth of the Word of God. Today we're going to spend some time on the fourth commandment. I believe there are some powerful principles of God's redemptive plan, practical living, and Christian leadership revealed in the biblical concept of rest. Our text today is found in Exodus chapter 20, the 8th verse all the way through the 11th verse, and it reads like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to your Lord God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Although this divine principle becomes a commandment in the law, God has established it and made it holy since before the law, to celebrate creation. This is what Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 has to say about it. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. There has never been a generation so busy and overworked like this generation. No other generation has suffered so much of anxiety, stress, and depression like today's. Some will argue that things were worse at the peak of the Industrial Revolution before labor laws came to introduce things as the 40-hour labor week, um, weekends, and other benefits that many take for granted. Today we may have better work conditions than at the turn of the century, but we have become victims of a different revolution altogether, a revolution that has brought work home through the internet, smartphones, personal computers, social media, and other items of technology. If in the turn of the century we were victims of long work hours, today we're victims of never-ending work hours. We are always connecting, always producing, always busy, always meeting some kind of demand. The truth of the matter is that because of our broken nature, we have an unhealthy relationship with work. This relationship is so unhealthy that we have come to glorify work and the state of being busy. Being busy has become a badge of honor and a new status of success. We brag about our busyness and if our day is not as the other person, we are ashamed because now we measure the worth of satisfaction in terms of productivity. Natasha Moore wrote a great article for the Center of Public Christianity titled Recovering the Sabbath, Rest and the Culture of Work. In this article, she tells the story of an immigrant who had recently arrived at the United States and was learning English. The immigrant developed a habit of answering the question, how are you, with a huge smile and the answer, busy, very busy. When he was asked about it, he said, it was what he understood was the best way to express in our Western culture, I am fine, thank you. We have come to believe that we are defined by the things we get done, and we assess and classify others in terms of profession, accomplishment, and their usefulness. To believe this is to believe that your work is your source of satisfaction. Let's be clear, the work you do can never satisfy the deep hunger of your soul. At the end of the day, when you finally check the last item on your to-do list, you will quickly realize that the list is really never over, and all it produces is organized restlessness. God knew what he was, what he was doing when he said, you must rest.
If you take the commandments given to Moses by God, you can look at them in a few different ways. You can divide them into two different categories. The first five refer to our relationship with God, and the last five refer to our relationship with one another. You can also observe that each one of them refer to a behavior that is birthed out of a condition of the heart. While the Old Testament addresses the behavior, the New Testament goes deeper to address the heart condition. Another way to look at them is the distinction between the fourth commandment and all the other nine commandments. All other commandments refer to a behavior that implies a future action. They point forward. You shall and you must honor. But when it comes to the Sabbath, it doesn't point forward, but instead it points back. It says, remember, remember the Sabbath. This is different from the other nine commandments. While the other nine are about an action that I must perform, the fourth commandment is about an action that has already been performed. It goes even deeper than that when God goes into explaining what this Sabbath is all about and he tells Moses in Exodus chapter 31 that this is a sign. All the other commandments stand for what they are. They're not signs, but the Sabbath stands as a sign. A sign is a representation for something else, is a pointer that leads to another object. The sign does not stand for itself, but it only exists as a result of another object of truth. Now, what is this truth? The truth that his work, both of creation and redemption, is finished, and he has deemed it to be good. The fourth commandment is God planting a seed of grace in the very heart of the law. The seed and sign stands for Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. He said it himself, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Let me go further on this incredible revelation of Christ in the Sabbath of God. God's rest on the seventh day was not a rest for the purpose of restoration or to re-energize, but instead it was meant as a time of contemplation. The Sabbath was not a day for him to catch his breath as a result of his tiresome work, but rather a day for him to lose his breath at the sight of his awesome work. God established a time not to create a thing, but rather to enjoy creation, to see the fruit of his hands and to be reminded of his very own statement. He set up a time just to soak in in worship and to, and to say, this is good. As a matter of fact, this is so good that I will establish a holiday for myself. So I can sit on my throne and look at the seas and the earth and the animals and the trees and mankind and say all over again, this is good. This is very good. I will rest not because I can no longer work because I am omnipotent, but I will rest because what I have created is so beautiful and magnificent that I am in awe of the work of my own hands. So I will pause, not once, not twice, but I will forever pause every seventh day to look at it again and again, and again, and again. Until sin came to sabotage God's rest. As a result of sin, mankind was cursed, and all creation was cursed. Sin came to undermine God's holiday of contemplation because all things that were good, sin caused to be broken and unfit for God's contemplation. God could no longer look at the seas and say, this is good, or look at the earth and say, this is good. For the entire creation was under the curse of sin. And God in all of his holiness could no longer call it good. The prophet Habakkuk said, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. So for a moment it appeared that God finds himself in a conundrum. He could no longer contemplate creation and call it good, for sin had corrupted it. But he had already established a day to sit on his throne and enjoy and contemplate creation. 
So you will think that God had to cancel his own holiday, but to do that will mean to go back on his word. And God never goes back on his word, for heavens and earth will pass, but his word remain forever. So if he could no longer contemplate creation and call it good, he decided that he will look at the only one by which creation came to be, Christ. For in him all things were created, things in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. The magnificence of his creation was the centerpiece of God's rest. But when creation became unfit, Christ remained at the center of God's rest. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on, things on earth or things on heaven, by making peace through his blood. So Christ both became and remained God's Sabbath. Every seventh day, as God himself established, God will pause to rest. And he will rest not because he can no longer labor, for he is still omnipotent, but he will rest because what he has created is so beautiful and magnificent that he is still in awe of the work of his own ends. So he will pause, not once, not twice, but he will continually pause to look at Jesus in whom the fullness of all things dwell and say, this is God. Isn't it wonderful that although I am broken and you are broken and our surroundings are broken, God will look at me through Jesus and he will rest. He will step back in contemplation and satisfaction, not for who I am today, but for the things that he has called me to be through Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, I was left broken by the curse of sin, causing me to be restless in a never-ending spinning wheel of work where I'm never satisfied, day in and day out, worked up, sunrise to sunset, restless, dawn to dusk, undone, unfinished, never getting to the point that I can say it is good. So God brought his people together on Mount Sinai and he commends them, rest. When God gave them this commandment, he knew that they were not ready to understand its full implications. So he just told them, just do it. You don't know this yet, but you need it. You need it because my rest is always your starting point. You see, if you look closely at the accounts of creation, you will notice an important detail that often goes unnoticed. Man was created on the sixth day, and right after on the seventh day, God, he rests. This means that man was present for God's first Sabbath day. Not only that, but man's first day of action as a living being was in the rest of God before men ever engaged in any work, in any production, in any accomplishment, in any administrative duty, in any creature naming. The first thing that God did before his first to-do list was an appointment to step back and wonder at God's creation. God was letting us know that before we can get to do any work right, we need to contemplate his work. His rest must always be our starting point. We need his rest. Let me give you four reasons why you need his rest. The first reason you need it is because rest helps you to realign your worship. I think it is interesting how God gives you the first three commandments and they are all about worship, the correct worship and the incorrect worship. 
and then he gives you the fourth commandment as a tool to help you realign your worship on a consistent basis. So when God created man, he gave man the responsibility to work the land. From the very beginning, God made it clear that they were, that they were working for him. But his people were broken by slavery. And they had an unhealthy relationship with work. Just as we had an unhealthy relationship with work today, God needed to realign them. God knows that because of our broken nature, we have this tendency to lose focus on the reasons why we are working. And who is it that we are working for? The more you keep your head stuck in the never-ending spinning wheel of work, you lose track. You lose track of the real purpose of work and who is it that you are working for. You will think that you are working for money or for your family or for success or for recognition or for a promotion or to put food on the table. You see, all these things are byproducts of your work, but the real purpose for work is to give God the glory. He is the only one we work for. He is the one we report to. But this world is so tricky that it will confuse you. It will seduce you. It will derail you and convince you differently. Our work has become our greatest sacrifice. To our work, we dedicate the best part of our time, the best part of our strength, the best part of our dreams. We offer our best at the altar of work. And without realizing it, it says your worship, my worship, of course. So we come to think that work will give us satisfaction. So God established that it is important for you to step back and rest so that you can consistently Realign your purpose for you to step back and be reminded of the bigger picture of the eternal picture, the divine picture that your satisfaction is in him. Not the money, not the position, not the task, nor the recognition. You need to rest to realize and realign your worship. So rest in reality becomes a tool, a divine tool to keep you from idolatry. Second, Second, you need rest to restore and replenish your whole being. Often we, we talk about rest and we think that uh, it's all of our bodies, but we are more than just body. We also have a mind and a spirit and each one of these need rest so that it can be restored, replenished and refreshed. When your body is rested, your work is more excellent. A, a tired worker will give a mediocre worker. Research have shown that your performance can be increased by more than 30% when you take an approximately 20 minute nap. And our body will function to its full capacity when you take one full day of rest each week. Your mind also needs rest. Did you know that when you are mentally tired, you're more prone to make decisions that will compromise your moral values? In other words, when you are tired, you are more prone to give yourself an excuse to sin. So God says, rest. But let's not forget about our spirit. Your spirit also benefits from your rest. Because it is when you step back and rest that God adds revelation. Too often, we ask God to speak and reveal himself to us. The question I ask you, when was the last time you took a break, you stepped back and simply rested in meditation and worship and prayer. Rest is the house where revelation dwells. The third reason you need it is because you can recognize your victories when you rest. You need to stop, review, and recognize. Learn to find satisfaction and fulfillment in the things that God has already done. 
stopping to celebrate and recognize yesterday's accomplishments become the fuel for tomorrow's victories. So, sometimes we are so busy that we forget. We forget how God used us to deliver, how God used us to conquer, how God used us to bring peace. The busier you get, the less you remember. And the less you remember, the more you question what God is capable of doing through you. So, as a medicine to cure forgetfulness, God commands you, stop and rest and remember the Sabbath. Fourth, you need to stop and rest so that you are reminded that the world will keep on spinning without your contribution. God wants you to be reminded that He is the one in control. He is the one that spins the wheel of creation. So we need to rest because only when we do it, we realize that we are not everything we think we are. Stepping back to rest is a humility pill. If you stop for one day, come next day, you will realize that your house is still there. Your ministry will still be there. Your company will still be there. Your family will still be there. Rest is a remedy for pride. Let me wrap it up with this. You can take all the vacation you want, all the days off you need, and have nothing to do in a paradise island and still be restless. Why? Isaiah says the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves are cast up mire and mud. There is no peace for the wicked. In other words, our sinful condition has caused us to be in a never-ending state of restlessness. Sin will cause you to be restless. Sin will cause you to be worked up. So when Jesus took upon himself the curse of us all and our sins on that cross, he became unmeasurably restless. On that cross, he became worked up. He was so worked and restless that he cried to the Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us until he finally declared it is finished. That was the equivalent of the Father's declaration, it is good. When God said it, when God said it is good, he was stating that there was nothing else to be added to creation and he could rest. When Jesus said it is finished, he was saying that there was nothing to be added to the new creation and he could rest. It is done. He was satisfied. So only in Jesus and his work on the cross, we can finally find satisfaction and rest. There are too many people worked up with anxieties today. Too many people worked up with worries. Too many people worked up with goals and deadlines and ministry demands, peer pressures, you name it. You need to stop. You need to step back and rest. Not any kind of rest. You need to rest in Him. Jesus Christ, the centerpiece of God's rest. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let me finish by teaching you how God rested. God looked at what he had done and said, wow, this is good. He praised himself for what he had done. That's how he rested. 
Rest is not the absence of action, but rest is the presence of worship. You can only rest when you imitate His rest. You stop and look back at what He has done and say, Wow, He is good. And that must always be our starting point.